Welcome to the Stonelaw Church Podcast. I'm Neil Watson. And whether you are a regular worshipper with us, or whether you just listen to this podcast, I pray that the, the words of the message would be a real blessing to you, and that it would bring you closer to God as you experience more of the love of Jesus in your life. So we continue our sermon series looking at the, the five marks of mission. Last week we were looking at the, the need to be lifelong disciples. I said lifelong learners, uh, this ongoing discipleship that needs to happen. And that if we are to respond to that first mark of going and telling people about the good news of Jesus and the good news of the kingdom, it was important that we received the, the knowledge and the strength and the encouragement to be able to do that. And that that came from the discipleship that we would receive. And the only way that we can truly commit to this is being those lifelong disciples, that we are willing to work on our faith and to help and journey with others and developing theirs. That it's not just enough to tell people about Jesus. We need to develop and nurture that faith. You might remember that I said that I would even get rid of the word new from the second mark of mission, that it says to, to nurture new believers I truly believe that, that all believers need to continue to be nurtured. We need to be encouraged. And that it's important that as a church, we are continuing to develop things that will allow people to have that ongoing discipleship. I also said that there is in, it's in no way possible for us to have this holistic or whole approach to mission by only picking and choosing which of the five marks we want to focus in on, that it's important that we need and see the need for all five, that it's an overflow of being able to step into the, the mission that God has for us, this five marks of mission. So this week we move on to marks three and four, and I refer to them as serving society. So Marks 3 and 4, they, they're about serving the society, serving others. And so we move on past the idea of developing faith, telling people about Jesus, and now about how we can show them in practical ways the love of God. So as we were looking at earlier, it's important that we, we look after and we, we care for our neighbor, that we love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And that's why we're going to just go over uh, briefly the, the passage that, that Marlene read out for us first from Mark's Gospel. You know, as I said earlier, the scribes are looking to, to trip Jesus up by asking him all of these questions, hoping that he would slip up and that they'd be able to point and say, look, see, he's a charlatan. Turn the people against him. But that's not what happens because Jesus answers well. It says in the scriptures. But this one scribe comes and he asks, you know, what is the, the first commandment? What is the, the number one command that God gives us? 
essentially asking what is the most important, the one that we need to all follow. And Jesus says, well, at first it's this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. Jesus is quoting from Deuteronomy, the book of Deuteronomy, the opening up to what we know as the, the Shema, the, 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 the prayer that is in Judaism. This is the beginning to it. That Jesus is saying, look, I'm not coming to essentially bring in and get rid of everything that God has done up till this point. I'm here to fulfill it. We're part of that journey together. God is one and he should be number one. The number one object of our, our desires, our actions, indeed our entire lives, heart, soul, mind and strength. Everything should be geared towards our devotion to God. And as we do that then, all of our strength and all of our energy would be looking into loving God as we see more of God's love for us. And then Jesus moves on and he says, the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. Jesus is saying out of that overflow of love that you have for God, there will also be a flow of a love towards your neighbor. But what does that mean to love your neighbor and why? And I think the answer lies in that recognition that we can find throughout scripture. But you might even think all the way back to when I first arrived and we were looking at the letter of James, that series of faith that works. And James reminding us that, that we need to recognize that humankind was made in the image of God. That when we look upon another person, it is important that we see God in them because God created them. And when we see that, we can't fail but want to love and to serve them. And that's the, that's the important part that we understand that, that we are made in God's image. Everyone, even the people that we struggle to like. Our faith needs to inform us and transform us that we might see people in that way. And that can be difficult. It can be very, very difficult. But that's what we're called to. We're called to see others in the way that Jesus sees them. And the thing is, it's really difficult because we tend to walk into any situation with our human vision and we see people. And we tend to, as I said before, we tend to focus in on people's flaws, the things that they do wrong. That's the human vision. But we're called to have a a higher vision than that, a kingdom vision, that we would see people in the way that Jesus looks upon them, that we would look past their flaws, 
So we really truly need to see people in the image of God, that we are created in that image of God, and that have done that for God's glory, that it's all for God's glory. Even in those times where we might look at someone or look into their circumstances, not in a judgmental way, but see a distortion in the way that they see themselves, the way that they are acting, that we see that distortion. And we are called to, to speak life into those situations and circumstances. So here's Jesus saying that if you love God with all of your heart, all of your strength, all of your mind, all of your soul, then it becomes impossible to not recognize the divine in other people. And that we're called to treat them in the way that we would wish to be treated, that we love them as we would love ourselves. We then read that the, the scribe is impressed. And he says, you are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one and besides him there is no other. And to love him with all your heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself. This is much more important than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. The scribe is pleased that Jesus has responded by using the opening to the Shema prayer. And Jesus is pleased that the scribe has understood and that the scribe has answered wisely. And Jesus says to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. You're not far. Jesus doesn't say, you're in. You've got it. Because there's one more step that the scribe needs to make. He's got it up to that point. But that one other step that he has to take is to recognize Jesus as the Messiah, as Lord and Savior. But he is close. He is so close. So the scribe is close because he knows that we need to love God with our whole being. And that we are called out of the overflow of that to go and serve other people. Understands up to that point. But needs to make that other step to recognize that Jesus was brought into our world. To make the, the biggest transformation and reconciliation of reconciling humankind with God. The thing is, there are many ways in which we can love our neighbor. Many different practical ways. You know, I actually believe the, the most loving thing that you can do for someone is to tell them about Jesus, to introduce them to Jesus. That for me is the most loving thing that you can do. However, there are so many needs in our world in these five marks of mission, there is no hierarchy. It, it all matters. And they all are needed. It's like, a, it's like a cake. All five slices are equal. The most loving thing, if we were to look at these marks of mission, in my opinion, is to start by telling them about Jesus 
The second thing is to walk with them and develop that. But the thing is, this third mark is just as important. And the third mark is to respond to human need by loving service. So marks one and two deal with the, the soul and, and, and salvation. And mark three recognizes that, that we are human beings and that as human beings, we have needs. And of course, that will be different for different people and at different times and different circumstances. But every one of us has needs. The number one need is that, that relationship with God. But so many people don't have a roof over their head or food in their stomachs access to, to clean water, access to the most basic things. And once upon a time, we might have looked at other parts of the world and thought we really need to do something about that. But unfortunately, we don't actually have to look that far anymore, if we ever should have. You know, we unfortunately, we live in a country that has an unbelievable amount of food banks. I saw a map recently. It was a map of the UK. And there was red dots where there were food banks. The whole island was filled with these red dots. So many people struggling to have access to the most basic of human needs, food in, in your belly. There are clothes banks, so many people that are homeless. As Christians and followers of Jesus, we need to take these things seriously and to make sure that we are doing everything that we can as individuals and as a church to address these things. We need to prioritize going out and seeing what those needs are because on top of those basic human needs that are felt by so many in our country there's so many other things that are going on too it's important that we look to to highlight these things and and to act upon them in practical ways for example we have a wonderful ministry here called Pastimes, a dementia-friendly cafe. There were people in our congregation who saw that there was a huge need to serve and to help those who are living with dementia in all of its forms. Providing an opportunity, a space to come together for support. That's one area. Equally, it might be that there are a number of people who are dealing with loneliness. It's becoming another pandemic of loneliness. And I don't think the COVID pandemic helped. Whereas a society, we started to kind of siphon ourselves off from one another for good reason in the beginning. But loneliness is crippling. I'm so thankful that we have our cafe in the meeting place every day. 
Sure, it's only maybe for a short time. But anybody who comes in will have someone that they can speak to. And again, it might only be for a short while. But the day is long when you have no one to talk to. We, of course, we do what we can to help the lodging house mission and the food bank. So many different ways in which we look to serve, but there are so many more needs out there. We need to be continually praying and asking God to highlight these areas of need. Giving us the, the strength to, to go and, and help in these practical ways. The thing is, there will be other things in our world that it's not a case of creating a welcoming environment where people are able to come and share their need and say, I need help. There'll be many other things that, that we don't automatically see. And those things are difficult. But that requires us to continually be looking out into the world and using our ears and listening, listening to people, where they're at, what their struggles are. But equally, there might be certain structures in our world that continually keep people in that place of need. And we need to take Mark 4 into consideration there. Mark 4 of the five marks of mission says to seek to transform unjust structures of society, to challenge violence of every kind, and to pursue peace and reconciliation. That's a long one. But that's why I chose Micah this morning. And in fairness, I could have chosen any of the, the prophets who deal with these things. This isn't a new problem. Unjust structures of society are not a new thing. They've been around for a long time. But I chose Micah chapter 2 because he speaks so clearly on what these unjust structures look like and how God wants to respond. Micah is addressing those people who are tasked with looking after and leading people. And they're not doing a good job of it at all. These people have allowed this system to be corrupted for their own benefit. They're failing to lead in the way that God has called them to. And the thing is, the book of Micah is brilliant. I love it. It's a great wee book. And Micah's message alternates between a uh, a message of, of doom and a message of hope. He does this, here's the doom, but we can find our hope in God. He goes through a whole bunch of different things. Idolatry, injustice, empty worship, rebellion. As I say, Mark 4 requires us to challenge these unjust structures of society. So Micah is addressing what's going on at this point. 
And it would appear that those who are in charge are looking to line their own pockets, that they are devising wickedness and evil deeds, and then in the morning act upon it. That they're coming up with these ideas on how they can swindle the people and then acting upon it. Where it says they covet fields and seize them, houses they take them away. People taking away people. They've corrupted God's original plan for how they are meant to lead other people. Shepherds are supposed to shepherd, care and look after the people that are in their care. And it's interesting because Micah records in verse 6, do not preach, thus they preach. One should not preach of such things. Disgrace will not overtake us. The people that Micah is bringing this to are saying, be quiet, Micah. I don't want to hear it. They're so wrapped up in their own lives, the fact that they are very wealthy and on the back of their corruption, they don't want to hear what Micah has to say. Go away. Stop talking. Micah surmises in verse 11 that if someone were to go about uttering empty falsehoods, saying, I will preach to you of wine and strong drink, such a one would be the preacher for these people. Micah is downhearted that this message that God has given him to go and deliver to these people is falling on deaf ears. And more than that, his heart is breaking because it would appear that there's this air of, I'm all right, Jack. They want to hear someone who will uh, speak fluffy things into their ears. You know, what you're doing is okay. It's okay what you're doing. Let's talk about other stuff that, that's not quite as important as you corrupting the system that God has put in place. The thing is, there's this well-known phrase, and that is that actions sometimes speak louder than words. We can say many things with our mouths, but our actions don't always back it up. Why would anybody take seriously anything that we have to say? It's incredibly important that we are sticking to the commands of God, these commands that God has placed upon us. Not just saying it, but actually showing people it too. So when we talk about our, our God of love, is that the God that we are showing people? Or is it a completely different, warped, corrupted God that we are showing people with the actions? If we're telling people about Jesus and the amazing relationship that is open to us, are we showing them that? Or are they just words? If we were to look into our lives, are we conducting ourselves in the way that we should? 
Would people see that love of God at work in our lives? Or do we only care about our own selfish ambitions? We've failed to lend a, a helping hand to a brother or sister or neighbor. We're failing to take on that command to love our neighbor as ourselves. We distorted that relationship. And the thing is, we're all human beings, and we will be better at this stuff sometimes, and then there'll be other times where we do get taken off on a tangent, and we do fail. We can all be guilty of that at times. But hallelujah for Jesus. We might think we don't have time or maybe too busy to, to help someone else. Maybe think we don't have the, the skills or the ability. So we just leave it to the side. Leave it for someone else to, to deal with. It might be that these things are happening in another part of the world. You think, well, what can we do? We might think, maybe there's nothing that we can actually do at all because it's happening away over there. It's nothing to do with me. And the thing is, we can use our voice. Every single one of us has a platform of some sort. We have a circle of friends and family. It's the, the world out there. We all have, those of us that have social media, we have the ability to use our voice. We might not necessarily be at the forefront and challenging injustice directly, but we can lend our support to it and our encouragement. And it may well be that that's our role, that we are to provide the encouragement of others who are going out and challenging injustice directly. But the one thing that we cannot be is indifferent. The one thing is we cannot be indifferent. We can't be stuck in that place of thinking, well, it's happening over on the other side of the world. It has nothing to do with me, so I'm not going to do anything at all. I think it was Desmond Tutu who said that if you were standing by and you see an elephant standing on a mouse's tail, and stand back and think, it's nothing to do with me. I'm neutral. That mouse does not care about your neutrality. The mouse wants you to help it. And I thought that is such an amazing illustration. We cannot be indifferent. There is no neutrality when we see injustice. When the big elephant is standing on the small mouse. thing is, there are so many things going on in our world that are unjust. There'll be things that we see with our own eyes and we can respond to it, but there'll be so many other things that maybe don't affect us directly, so therefore we maybe don't fully understand things. It's important that we use our ears, that we're listening to people when they're talking. I don't like to harp on about politics. 
But the thing is, we may not always agree in terms of politics, but everyone is entitled to their political belief. Equally, I don't think it's in good taste for me to preach politics. I'm here to preach Jesus. I'm not here to talk about politics. But today I will. We can look around our world at various governments. And they're not very different to the, the people that we read in Micah this morning. Including our very own government in the UK. Who are very, very good at saying things. Politicians are very good at saying things. But their actions don't always back up their words. Very good at creating a facade of caring. And we're only a few weeks away from the next scandal. Not all of them. Not all of them. It might be the fact that there was this proposal to move refugees to Rwanda. Move them away. Out of sight out of mind. Not our problem anymore. That's just wrong on so many levels. So drastically distorted from what God would be expecting us to do. We don't get to absolve ourselves of the responsibility of caring for someone when they present with needs. You don't just shoo them off somewhere else and expect someone else to deal with it. However, it's not just governments. If we're going to be looking at unjust structures, they happen everywhere. And the media, well, they get to take their place as well. I don't know enough about the, the field of patriarchy or feminism, but I know enough to know that at the fringes of anything, it can be distorted either way. However, saying that, what I've seen over the last few weeks with regards to one female MP and the way that she's been depicted in the media, it made me feel sick to my stomach. Here is someone who has been elected in the same way as anybody else that is in that parliament. But this woman has been abused in the media. And it's been nothing short of a disgrace. To his credit, the Prime Minister was quick to condemn the accusations of the, the media about what this woman had been doing. Did it with his mouth. But it didn't take very long before there was another story about our Parliament and how misogynistic it still is. That definitely needs to be challenged. Jesus didn't come have a ministry in Galilee, go to the cross, be placed in a tomb, rise three days, three days later, and then leave. He came back on more than one occasion, continued to direct and command his disciples, and he continues to do it to this very day. 
He didn't leave. He's with us. Jesus' sacrifice was to bring salvation to the world, that it might be reconciled with God. That all would be given access to this life, this life in all its fullness, as Jesus says. Full life. And we, as his disciples in this day and age, are called to make sure that we get rid of the unjust structures that get in the way of people being able to live that full life that Jesus bought for them on the cross. It's no surprise that this fourth mark of mission also speaks about peace and challenging violence. It's more about this reconciliation that God is in the business of. You know, Micah 2 ends with, I will surely gather all of you, O Jacob. I will gather the survivors of Israel. I will set them together like sheep in a fold, like a flock in its pasture. God would gather his people together that despite the, the doom that Micah delivers, there's the hope that God would deliver. They'd be shepherded in the right way. Jesus is the good shepherd. However, as human beings, we haven't learned anything. We continue to deal with conflict and disagreement with violence. This never-ending cycle of violence. That can be physical violence or verbal violence. But we need to follow the Prince of Peace. I don't think there's been a time in my life where there hasn't been a war at some point, somewhere in our world. Maybe you're the same. It breaks my heart that, that our country plays its part in that. Regardless of the the reasons behind it, we continue this never-ending cycle of violence as a way of dealing with disagreement and conflict. And that's the issue. The issue is that it would require everyone, everyone on the world to lay down their arms. And I long for the day when nations beat their swords into plowshares and spears into pruning hooks, Isaiah 2. Rather than pursuing peace with violence, God uses prophets like Micah to deliver a message to the people, not just mass gatherings, but, but to the people who are called to lead, people who are commanded to do something. And in this day and age, we are the prophets that God wants to speak to and deliver this message to. When we hear that of prophets, we maybe think of a special group of people. And yes, there are those with a, a strong anointing in that. But we're all called to listen to God and to deliver a message. We're all prophets. We need to lend our voice 
to things that will challenge these unjust structures and challenge violence? And can you imagine if Christ's body, the church, was to raise up and raise our voices, all of us, what a world that would look like. Many unjust structures, the distorted nature of God's creation being brought back into its original form, getting closer and closer to that day of Jesus coming back, the new Jerusalem. So this morning, let's make us, let's remake our commitment remake our commitment to love God with our entire being, our entire being, and allow that overflow to extend that love to our neighbor as we would wish to be treated. And equally through our understanding of Jesus' sacrifice for us, the reconciliation that, that he bought on the cross, would we have a greater vision of our world? that we would see the structures that need to be challenged and act upon it, that we might see these structures replaced with kingdom structures, godly values, that we would seek peace in every situation. But remember that the absence of violence and war isn't always peace. It can be indifference. And we must avoid indifference at all cost. Because indifference to the needs of others or the unjust structures of our society means that we never see the transformation that God wishes to see here on earth. So my hope and my prayer this morning is that you will all hear clearly enough from God the, the who, the what, the where, the why, that you're being called to go and serve in practical ways through your faith in our Lord Jesus. Shall we pray? Let's pray. Loving God, we rededicate ourselves to you this morning. We promise to, to love you with all of our heart, our mind, our soul and our strength, our entire being. We pray that by your spirit you would speak to us, that you would prompt us, that you would strengthen us to be able to carry out that command to love our neighbor. that you would strengthen our voice enough that we might challenge those unjust structures of society, that we might look to bring peace into every situation. Loving God, this is, these are hard things to do and we are so thankful that we do not walk alone, that you go with us. Lord, would you help us as individuals, but equally as a church, as we seek new ways, 
to carry out this holistic approach to mission? Would you help gather a people that would make real changes in this town? Not for our glory, not for our ego, but all for your glory. And we ask all of this in the precious and mighty name of Jesus. Amen.